everybody, and welcome back to Sapphic Survival Guide, where we are happy to be queer to answer your questions. I'm Gina. And I'm Cheyenne. And class is now in session. We have a super fun guest for y'all today. So Rachel, go ahead and tell everybody who you are. Hello, everyone. Hello, tiny, gorgeous, gay people, queers alike, <laughs> if you're listening. My name is Rachel Scanlon. I'm a stand-up comedian in Los Angeles. I also co-host the podcast called Two Dykes and a Mic which you should get your little queers on into, your queers, your queer ears into. Queer ears. <laughs> I am a cancer sign, but for the longest time, I thought I was a Gemini. I love talking about queer sex. My pronouns are sure, whatever, it's fine. I am, I've been doing material about being gender fluid lately, which has been the most fun I've had on stage in a while. And uh, yeah, I love uh, my hair... And the color orange. So I think that's like, if you were to click on my profile, that's what you would see. That's incredible. Yeah, we love that. <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit about your queer journey, including your gender fluid journey? Like, oh my God. what has that looked like for you? Listen, here's the thing. I feel like when we're talking about queer journeys, mm-hmm. there's so much. I feel like when I was, I came out during the Bush administration. So I've been out for like a, my... a while. Um, and I feel like for me... I never saw lesbians being goofy. And that was my mm-hmm. biggest complaint. This was like before people weren't like identifying as queer. And there was like mostly just like dykes and gay guys. Like, do you remember when things were really just like those two? Mm-hmm. It was like the Will and Grace era. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, so you can know what I'm talking about. I was just mm-hmm. like, I hated how everything about being gay felt like. I also grew up in the church, a very religious, like, household. And uh, mm-hmm. everything seemed like it was the fucking worst. Everything about it. And it, mm-hmm. even after getting over the religious trauma, every every lesbian that I saw was so devastatingly serious. Everything, like, you know, like, even, like, Carol, everyone's, like, in this kind of, like, re- like hello, like, traumatized. <laughs> every, like, lesbian yeah. romance, too, was, like, one of them's a teacher, and the other mm-hmm. one's like an 18-year-old student with like a husband and she's pregnant and then they die. <laughs> and I just got like so sick of like – because the thing about me, and I don't know if you can tell, but I'm like maybe the silliest goose out there. Mm-hmm. I think and it's being a cancer, honestly, because I so? also identify as a silly goose and I'm <laughs> also a cancer. Yeah. So we're just some silly, goofy little geese out here. We're very, we're, <laughs> listen, we're, we're a flock, we're a laughing flock of ducks. And yeah. I like, I've just like, that has been my only gripe with like, and not obviously when you actually get to know the queer community, when you know lesbians, you know dykes, like you know that we're all silly and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and honestly, the hardest that I've ever laughed in my life. It's always going to be a queer person that I am like busting a gut to. And, Mm -hmm. but like the stereotype of lesbians, I didn't grow up with lesbians. I didn't know queer people. And so I was like much older and I had already out. So, but when you don't know that you're so fearful that like, Oh my God, is everyone going to think that I'm an absolute pill? (laughs) Like (laughs) It was so, yeah. And so I think for me, I came out, And I wanted to just, like, really kind of forge my own way through the community. And, like, I, for the longest time, too, I I mean, I started stand-up comedy to kind of deal with, like, being (laughs) my, like, traumatizing coming out and 
like being in right. high school like the first mm-hmm. four years of me doing stand-up if you ever had the misfortune of seeing me do stand-up my first four years in you're gonna hear basically somebody like struggling with their identity and trying to figure out a way to be palatable to straight people like I look mm-hmm. back now mm-hmm. after building a queer audience like you do stand-up now it is a completely different landscape than when I started doing stand-up forever ago, mm-hmm. 10 years ago. 10 years ago, you would be the only queer person. And if there were other queer people, they were gay men. And so I had to package my stand-up comedy into, to what I think straight people would want to hear from a lesbian, mm-hmm. which right. isn't very good comedy. It's, uh, <laughs> no. It sucks. It fucking yeah. sucks. And you always know it, too. As a queer person, you can always tell what content is made for gay people and what mm-hmm. content is made for straight people who want to feel like an ally or kind of watch you like like they're at the zoo? Do you know? Do you guys ever that? Mm-hmm. Do you guys perform at all live? Do you have any mm-hmm. like? Not yet. Maybe I someday. have, but not comedy. Oh, I've done storytelling. I thought you meant like oh, the yeah. podcast, but no, I don't perform the podcast. You should. You'll love it. <laughs> Just but yeah. But you even Just know. Oh yeah, I want to do a live content. show. You're when you're watching mm-hmm. like movies and stuff. That mm-hmm. there's there's a a way that like when straight when like it's a queer piece of content that is meant to be consumed by straight people mm-hmm. and yeah. how that feels different as a viewer mm-hmm. i call that ally yeah. content like i read a book that was like this is written for straight people by a gay person and it's gay content and my sister was like my friend loved it i'm like yeah because your friend's straight and it's for her yeah so, right. of course she did <laughs> totally it feels like the lifetime movie version of like a gay movie yes like, it's like taken down a level in all totally yeah it's like diet queer you're like okay (laughs) or they'll spend a lot of time almost explaining the things that we already have like a Mm -hmm. baseline understanding for and the stuff that really is kind of like within your community of like knowing a deeper knowing those things aren't really touched on and I feel like after the first four years of see also like you know when you start doing stand-up you're performing for men you're with men you're with straight people constantly i'm so, so sorry. i didn't even oh my god <laughs> <laughs> that's like I part of the it. reason i haven't started doing stand-up because it's just like i don't want to like like i just know the audience the crowds of people aren't going to be necessarily what i no i mean it's it is like it's tough and then you mm-hmm. i'm always like as a comedian, it's my job to make whatever room that I'm in laugh. Mm-hmm. And I think that there that's a, there's a good lesson in that. But also there's something very beautiful about realizing that I don't have to make every single person like me. Mm-hmm. And that actually can be – that can actually creatively make me a better comedian, a better performer, knowing I don't need to package this in a way – like there are jokes, there are takes, and there are – like circumstances that like straight audiences will go over their head and then the Mm -hmm. queer people that hear it it's gonna go straight through their ears into their soul and Mm -hmm. that is actually kind of the space that I'm really thriving in right now and it it weirdly I don't want to get too hippy dippy with y'all but like it does it feels (laughs) honestly healing to like the closeted comedian the like the kid that was closeted throughout Mm -hmm. high school having my material now be so for the queer people that like I'll do shows in the Midwest and I'll have my family who is supportive now be like, I didn't really get it. And I go, that's awesome. (laughs) And that is great. And I love that. But like, it is, it's just been different. I feel like the, 
as I grow mm-hmm. comedically and in my own identities and having an audience grow because queer audiences are so massive mm-hmm. and like there are still things obviously but like it has been healing and I feel super lucky and I just like love queer people and I love comedy so I feel really lucky yeah that's like that. a perfect intersection slash healing modality um yeah I love that how old are you by the way I'm 32 32 okay you said the word I'm 31 when did yeah. you when did you come out then I came out right at the senior year of high school so I was 17 okay okay and I was yeah just moving out into Milwaukee. I also just got engaged last week, which is so crazy. <gasps> wow. Congrats. Congratulations. Are you about to pull out a ring or what's happening here? <laughs> Thank you so much. I got a I, – yeah, we actually designed our rings. So they're made out of my grandparents' rings, and I proposed last week. So I'm just, like, <gasps> settling That's into sick. how that feels. Like, I've been so – I also love love. I've been so, like, ooey-gooey. Like, everything feels right. Like, when you – to mm-hmm. come out and then it was so much tension and then to be engaged mm-hmm. and everyone loves it it's like it's a lot of things and it's, yeah yeah <laughs> yeah I might have to send this episode to my grandpa who does not listen to the podcast because literally today he was like well it's not like you're ever gonna get married and I was like well <laughs> why not why am I not getting married oh, and he was like I'm not getting into that and I was like, "What well, you know, gay people can get married now, right? Like, <laughs> you know, like you know that that was that was like a decade ago. Now, like it was. A oh while my god, ago. <laughs> it's so while, yeah, it's so fucking crazy <laughs> that like I when I I I'm like aging myself. I mean, 32, whatever. I came mm-hmm. out, and then four years later, gay marriage was legalized. Right. That's so, wild. Yeah. And I remember when I was in high school, because it sounds like you would have graduated like a year above me in high school. Mm-hmm. I remember like having conversation with my mom where she was kind of like, I would be sad if you were gay because you wouldn't be able to like legally have everything that everyone else can have. And right. then mm-hmm. later on it was legalized and I was like, so I can have everything else. What's your excuse now? You know, what yeah. do you got? What do you got for me now? And my parents right. are pretty supportive. It's not like that. But I also mm-hmm. like and I'm proposing mm-hmm. to my girlfriend, like probably not anytime soon, probably like two, I'm thinking year, two years. Right. Sure. Mm-hmm. I want to make our own rings, too. But out of like rocks from places we've been, not like <sighs> anyone else's stuff. Yeah. Making yes. your own ring is just like the gayest thing. Oh, yeah, it's so gay. It's so and sick, I love though. it. Yeah, you're not gonna see me at like Zales or Jared. <laughs> right? Excuse yeah. me, so we don't want diamonds. What no, do I want about princess diamonds? Cut. No, I'm going down fucking... to the local gay jeweler, and she's going to craft it from the earth. I'm like, yeah, uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> this is why too. Like, it's so interesting getting. I know. I think a lot of. I guess for me, I never thought I would get married because I never saw that as, mm. as an option. Same. Now that I am, it feels so powerful in a way that I'm like, oh, right. Like, so much of queer celebration and queer joy, sometimes, like, I feel like the idea of it or, like, through maybe the eyes of, like, the greater world or, like, allies or people are like, yes, Go queen and slay like pride, but what Go they're not and slay, right? Like <laughs> they're not quite grasping that like the reason why you have like queer joy and pride is mm-hmm. from like literally forged out of being marginalized. 
So mm-hmm. like it comes from the place of like, I'm like, oh, this is like a try. There is victory here. So I feel like, and I didn't know I would feel that. You guys caught me at a pretty interesting time in my life. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> like it feels so, uh, it feels really powerful to be like, we're going to be married. And mm-hmm. it it is like, it's a very exciting time. I think like all around, I feel like really I feel very powerful, which is, it didn't know it. Cause yes. you see like straight people get married all the time and you're like, yeah. Oh, I get it. You're going to get a ring. And it's like, and it's like, where's my <laughs> ring? Where's my ring? And I just feel like everything within like a queer context comes from such like a, a, a way interesting and like very unique, special place. And I just like, right. I want to just hold our queer community together all the time. And all I want to do is talk to gay people. Mm-hmm. I like, don't want to talk to I'm in such a place where I'm like, you guys don't get it to the straight community. I'm like, don't talk to me. Right. You don't, there's not like, you don't mm-hmm. understand what's happening here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally feel that. Are you going to go by wife or like, cause that's like one of the things I'm looking forward to is being like my wife. Like, I don't know. That feels like powerful to me. Like oh. being gender fluid. What's the term you're going to use as my, a married I'm, person? I feel like, well, I can't wait to say my wife. Like I have <laughs> to go home. My wife is waiting for me like mm-hmm. because you know what I want to always do I don't want to be out I think people I'm extroverted and I'm a comedian and people are like you want to hang out I actually don't I want to be home with my wife right so I'm really excited I'm so excited for that to be like I'm so sorry I can't my wife needs me for mine I feel like I don't know in the house she's typically referring to me as like her husband to be but I feel like I, being for me being gender fluid has like released me from needing to feel like I have to pick which one and stick with it. And that's Mm -hmm. been like the most freeing thing for me. So like, I feel like it'll, it'll shift based on how I'm feeling. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like wife, like, I feel like we'll be wives, but I'm her husband. Does that make any sense? Yes. Yeah. (laughs) We (laughs) just recently had another interview with someone and they kind of said the same thing. And (laughs) I yeah. definitely call my partner everything under the sun. Nobody At likes the word America. spouse anymore, I guess. Like, <laughs> he's into it. <laughs> well, and partner, you know what happened there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I have an actual business partner, Mackenzie Goodwin, of Two Dykes and a Mic. Mm-hmm. So, like, I already feel like it's already, like, to have a lesbian business partner and a, a life partner partner, yeah. like, the whole thing, and to be, it's like, a yeehaw partner, you're like, okay. Mm-hmm. there's actually too many partners we gotta yeah. we gotta move it forward this yeah. isn't nashville bachelorette season <laughs> <laughs> okay so in the world of you know in the world of rodeos partner, yeah you're, you're having a little rodeo are you are the you whore? top bunk or bottom <gasps> bunk are oh you God, the incredible. horse or are you the cow <laughs> <laughs> in your rodeo are you a bull or a matador right yes. Matt. <laughs> lol i've you know what's so fucking fun i've recently been doing some material about this as well where like i'm pers- the way that i'm i feel like i have lost all sense of how i'm perceived to the rest of the world since mm-hmm. the pandemic no clue and okay. i feel like there is in like a lot of spaces i think people who perceives queer people oftentimes conflate masculinity with top. Mm-hmm. And I think if you're actually like in lesbian or queer spaces, mm-hmm. we know so much better that, I mean, we all know that the, there's such a huge difference between how you present yourself 
with your gender or your masculinity versus how you fuck. Mm-hmm. And I think that, like, the way that we fuck is so much more uh, broad than the way that straight people see sex in a very specific, honestly, feeling, like, legally binding type of a way where I feel like queer sex and queer power dynamics, which is something that I'm more interested in, and, like, mm-hmm. queer dominance sexually is so much more, like, f- fluid and also, like, I feel like queer sex is kind of, like, a, a dream that you can make or like the the wit the cool summer breeze on the back of your neck like there yeah. and for me like I <laughs> I feel like I'm like I'm so much more into exploring different ways of being expressive sexually versus defining like matador or bull do you know what I mean mm. I yeah. so like, you're a bottom there it is <laughs> to be read so hard i'm like people think masks are top <laughs> i mean we didn't need any of the rest of it we're just gonna cut all of that lol you're like it's out as no, you should. no i i love that um description oh, but that's there... my type sensitive mask bottom that's exactly the kind of person i go for so oh. and and there you know what there's a lot of them to choose from they're it's not in short supply uh, no, I feel like that. And what a beautiful thing. Like, I I feel like for the longest time, too, I was such like a I, I, I saw sex so differently in my 20s than when I what I do now. And I used mm. to be so fearful of long term committed monogamous relationships. I thought of myself as like never really being monogamous or wanting marriage. And then the something happens when you get or for me, I got into a long term relationship that felt like I was fucking somebody new all the time. And I'd never had that before. <laughs> and that comes I love from, that. Oh, my God. Nobody told me because, you know, we you know what it is. I only saw long term relationships through the context of heterosexuality. Mm-hmm. The old and ball and chain. Exactly. Yeah. That whole, all I ever saw was like. Ugh, not my wife like back to the <laughs> same old same old like god like you know if you yeah. talk to straight people about their marriages they seem like they have a gun to their head they're like it's yeah. work god yeah. it's hell and uh, <laughs> i've never suffered more yeah i'm just like <laughs> you don't gotta do this brother but then yeah. once you start doing it in your own life i was like oh this is so much it's so different. They always seem, they always make it feel like it's routine. And I'm like, I, I don't know. I'm like the way that I see queer sex is so much more creative that I'm like, I haven't even done half of the shit that I've thought of. <laughs> really? Can yeah. you tell us some things you haven't done that you've thought of? <laughs> oh, I'm okay. So glad you asked, but like my fiance, hello. And I, mm-hmm. uh, because we are, we had our five-year anniversary and we're going to start doing shibari classes. Ooh, that's what is that? I don't know what that is. That's the ropes where one will kind of submit somebody else's kind of like where they put their bodies and stuff with just like complicated rope tying. And okay. I've been really. Is into- it suspension or just like just I think bondage. both. I think one leads oh, to cool. leads to the other. I've seen it up in the air, but I think they obviously must start you like. Yeah, on I the think ground. that's like level two. <laughs> yeah. You gotta work your way up. Yeah, to being yeah. literally up like Chris Angel, who <laughs> <laughs> stop. 
<laughs> not Chris <laughs> Angel. <laughs> so would you say that um to keep like sex alive and prevent lesbian bed death, maybe like make some sort of sex bucket list at the beginning of the year? Um, For sure. Like I'm try like, and find something. Have yeah. you guys ever experienced lesbian bed death? Only once. <laughs> it's so hard to say because i feel like there's not for most people there isn't like a definitive like we're done having sex i feel like it's more like one person is done but like i mean maybe i'm just projecting but yeah i've been there the reason i ask is because i feel like the way that i have lesbian bed death has been pitched or i the idea has come from i feel like people are like oh yeah two women when they're together women Mm -hmm. don't like sex so then eventually yeah. they stop pretending to enjoy sex because the idea is like, oh, women never liked it in the first place. And then mm-hmm. the act stops, which I'm always like, I think that every relationship ever has ebbs and flows. And especially I think mm-hmm. pe- individuals have ebbs and flows. There are times yeah. in your life where you're like, I'm not feeling very sexual because I'm busy or whatever that fuck. But like, it always is mm-hmm. one of those things where I feel like if the jumping off point is like, well, you know how women just hate sex. And I'm like, it's so weird that that gets put on lesbians. Anyways, I'm digressing. Mm -hmm. I'll talk about fucking because I do. Um, I think like (laughs) (laughs) there's something very like how to avoid these like dips that can happen within the context of like long-term relationships. I think like I'm very spoiled because I'm engaged to a Scorpio. Mm. And I don't know if you guys have ever, I've only ever been with like, people that have birthdays near to mine so like other cancers and gemini's i'm with another cancer right now but like best sex of my life so yeah (laughs) we both have virgo mars so like i feel like we're both like let me please you hot yeah that's That's really hot (laughs) i um i'm i don't know i feel like to keep i think there is that thing where sometimes because on Two Dykes and a Mic, my podcast, we have a lot of people that will write into us. And mm-hmm. there's people with mismatched libidos. And then there's mm-hmm. also people that they, a lot of people get really wrapped up with how many times a week they're having sex, which I've, I've always, and I had, I used to be somebody who would really worry about, I would pre worry about mm-hmm. a sex dip before mm-hmm. it would even yes. happen. I would be having sex regularly and I would, panic I would almost like I would have sex out of like if you think about like a bear worrying about like fucking winter coming and I I always had this idea of like what if this stops and Mm -hmm. I'm like I've I've gotten sober and worked through some therapy where that you can start you can you don't always have to worry about things Mm -hmm. like that and I had like yeah some anxiety with these types of things or also using sex to validate my ego which a lot of people will rack up how many sexual encounters they can have with so many people to make mm-hmm. themselves feel okay which is mm-hmm. what I was doing and there's actually no need yeah. to once you realize that like that's out of the the question I my biggest thing is like I try to make make people not worry about how many times they need to be having sex and instead yeah. focusing on like enjoying the sex that you're having is like a mental shift of like if you find yourself counting and tallying just know that like this is something that we should really work on internally first because sex Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people forget but the number one point of sex is supposed to be 
having an enjoyable, pleasurable time with you and your partner or partners. Mm-hmm. Yep. And if you're getting caught up in, I'm so worried a dip is coming. Are you enjoying it anymore? I mean, we right. got to have fun. <laughs> yeah. It's actually crazy how much I relate to everything you're saying, because when I, I dated men for an, an unfortunately long time and I was under this weird sexual pressure that was both society, the men I was dating and myself. And I had an ex who I literally refer to as the mistake who definitely (laughs) was like, we haven't had sex since this day. We haven't had sex in a week. We haven't had sex. And like those things took a long time for me to unlearn. And my, my ex who was queer, she and I definitely had mismatched libidos. And that's why I think we ended up having lesbian bed death because my libido is definitely higher than hers. Mm -hmm. And then I didn't want to like pressure her because of what I went through. And it was like, I don't know, that was a lot to figure it out. And now with my girlfriend, I find myself like sometimes tracking when we're having sex, Mm. especially if we get busy and I Mm -hmm. have to like, stop. And I've talked to her about it where I'm like, I know you're not the one putting this pressure on me. I know it's coming from me, Mm -hmm. but I'm trying to like figure out how to tell you I still love you, even though we haven't had sex in a week. And she's like, I'm not thinking about that at all, Gina. Like what the fuck? And Mm -hmm. we also saw this like TikTok or something that people who have this like whole, you know, concept of lesbian bed death don't really take into account that lesbians have much more satisfying, intimate, experiences that aren't sexual right and so part of our conversation she was like have you ever felt physically disconnected from me no matter how long it's been since we had sex I'm like no because you're always like touching my arm playing with my hair we're always Mm -hmm. hugging we're always kissing Mm -hmm. kissing doesn't mean we're gonna have sex which is also like in a queer relationship like that is normal in my other relationships was like not so I've definitely had a lot of those checklist of timing and all those things so like it's such an unlearning thing but it's Mm -hmm. nice when you get somebody who doesn't give you that pressure and sex becomes so much better when there's no pressure oh my god Mm -hmm. yeah even when it comes from you that's the thing too I was like oh I'm doing this thing and nobody else is it's like yeah you almost have I would have unhealthy habits coming from within that I would repeat from partner to partner And Mm -hmm. once you, it takes a little bit of time to realize that you're doing that thing. And then even when you're in a healthier relationship, you have to be like, oh, wait, (laughs) my body's used to do it, used to counting. And Mm -hmm. like, I'm, yeah, you have to, it's more, yeah, being more mindful of that will kind of set you free because the second you take away those expectations, you're like, oh my God, this is so much more fun. And now I'm, yeah, I feel like that's something that I've been able to really, let go of in my 30s and I feel so grateful for it Mm -hmm. (laughs) sex is more fun yeah I think sex is great on the other side of 30 also I'm looking forward to it I'm only 28 so like I can't imagine how much greater it's gonna be in a couple years like hell yeah oh my god (laughs) let me get over that well and Uh, I think like (laughs) a lot of times couples will one couple will be like my sex drive is higher So Mm -hmm. it's almost like this thing of like, it's on the person with the lower sex drive to figure it out. And then the person with the lower sex drive starts to do this thing where they're like, oh no, I am ashamed that I don't want it Mm -hmm. enough. And now I'm panicked that I have to almost put on, like I have to bring myself to want to have sex more. And I'm Mm -hmm. always like, 
I, I, we, we tell ourselves sex narratives all the time about our own relationship and about ourselves. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I feel like a lot of times when we're, this is like, I, for the longest time was like, I don't have that cause I'm gay. I'm queer. So the sex that I have, I choose my sex partner. Nobody wanted me to be gay. I chose to be gay. So that mm-hmm. means my sex, sex life must be perfect. But really when we are raised in the way that we are all raised here, Everyone mm-hmm. has sex stories that they're telling themselves. People a lot. I mean, how many lesbian couples do you know that are almost mirroring queer culture or taking the same way that we treat women or the patriarchy and they're just copy and pasting it mm-hmm. into a queer context? Like, there's so many things that we have to unlearn, specifically sexually. And when you realize that, I, I try to tell people, LOL, I am fucking Dr. Sex Seuss talk over here, but <laughs> you don't have to tell yourself the same stories over and over again because then you repeat it so the idea is like Mm -hmm. i always want it and she never wants it instead coming to like bringing things Mm -hmm. to each other of like even if you were the one who has a higher sex drive the thing is like what if the conversation wasn't she never wants to have sex what if the conversation was how do we get to a place where like we are both desiring each other right now is mm-hmm. like way it's such a more fun conversation to have of like what turns you on what turned you on this week even if i wasn't around like that's such a more fun conversation than like why don't you ever want to fuck like that isn't very <laughs> exciting and i yeah. yeah being more erotic throughout the day thinking about like sex sex can be a fun thing that happens throughout the day that you only fuck the what the at the time when you are together like i'm mm-hmm. i travel a lot i'm my girlfriend is very busy. I'm very busy. She runs a thousand book clubs. Uh, so I'm like, babe, but like, how can you like excite each other all the time? I'm like, I'm trying to have more erotic moments that like lead to like mm-hmm. more sex. I think that's a way more fun to think about than like, oh no, what if we don't want it at the same time? It's like, maybe you don't. <laughs> right. Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what masturbation is for. <laughs> yeah. Hi. Talk yeah, about true. it. Like talk yeah. about it. I also feel like things turn my girlfriend on that I do that like in any of my straight relationships, that was like not the case. Like we'll just be at dinner and like me eating certain food should be like the way you're eating that is really turning me on. And yeah. I guess yes. those conversations are so fucking fun. I want to know what foods. <laughs> anything, but mostly mangoes. Like if I, oh, anything that's like dripping, yeah. she's like losing it. Like, and oh. then I'll, and then I'll amp it up just to be fun. Cause whatever, right. I'm a Libra. So I was imagining like show. a noodle. I was imagining like no, a lady in a tramp no. <laughs> Fruit eating, fruit eating. I mean, fucking, isn't it, it, it so fun how like queer people perceive hotness within each other in such a different way than like, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, I'm always so fascinated by the way that I'm perceived by queer people and the way that I'm attractive to queer people is just like mm-hmm. so different than like what you see in the rest of the world where I'm like mm-hmm. people like the second I came more into like my masculinity, the way that my hands move, like there are things that like there's like little details that I, I love the way that queer people see me and it makes me mm-hmm. feel like way hot then i'm like this this fucking rocks like mm-hmm. <laughs> i'm I like also my straight just, like, ha- friends have no idea how hot i am they like don't crazy? get it <laughs> right <laughs> the way that like my nail tag doesn't understand that i need to have the shortest nails but also shiny i'm like these people are <laughs> watching my hands you don't yeah. understand everyone's looking at them they're yes. like the main entree <laughs> right 
<laughs> yeah. I love your love of queer people because it's like reminding me how much I love being gay and just like being around queer people. And mm-hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to find my gays to just be like, you know how great it is to be us. I really try to soak up my queer friendships and mm-hmm. also all of my friends from back home are straight. So even when I bring my fiance, I'm like, we are and it's kind of that, that zoo feeling again, where you're like, mm-hmm. we're the entertainment here. We are the queer yep. sideshow. But I feel like too, with finding myself, out of the like being dating and into being somebody who is already taken and in queer spaces, I have found this like beautiful enjoyment of like queer friendships. I used to fuck all my friends famously. I used to always be Mm -hmm. having sex with all my friends and that's, it's beautiful and that works. And we all know that like a lot of our friends we have hooked up with whatever, Mm -hmm. But now meeting new queer people from the space of like, we're not ever going to have sex. But still, I'm like, a, I don't know if you've noticed, I'm a very flirty person as well. But like meeting more and more queer people and getting to like bond with, I think is also, I'm like, the queer com- people that I know are now in their 30s because I'm in my 30s. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, give me a th- a 30 year old queer person and just like let me bask in like all of that goodness has been like so fucking fun mm-hmm. i know yeah. like, middle-aged queers were so cool i don't know if 30s middle-aged yet but i'm pretending we are <laughs> oh yeah oh we're the best it's like middle middle age um that's funny that you bring that up though because i pulled a question for you um that was what do i do about sexual attention with friends and i'm th- this person was not single and they said being friends with other queers when does it become weird when you're not single so would you say like to really uh focus on the things you like about them outside of the things you might find like sexy about them i don't know what would your advice be sexual tension i and listen you guys can take with this with a grain of salt but i really bask in queer sexual tension i think that sexual tension is kind of what the makes the world go round and that's not something that makes me worried within the context of my relationship sexual tension is like i have a crush on every person i've met my entire life And, like, that's something that, like, makes me feel alive. (laughs) And that's also something that I can take with me into the context of my own sexual relationships. So that's not Mm -hmm. something that, if for me, I ever felt it, and I've had relationships in the past where I have felt the need to try to shut off those parts of myself, sexual tension with somebody else, how how dare you include Mm -hmm. your sexual, your sexuality, your tension with other people. But for me, I've always found that to be, like, that is, like, that's kind of when I'm my best. And that's like uh, something that I love about myself. And mm-hmm. it's also something that doesn't lead to sex for me. So right. I don't feel any, if there is something though within, if you are like, this is something that makes me feel mm-hmm. uncomfortable or not myself or un- or weird with my partner, mm-hmm. then absolutely there's ways that you can like shut off your sexual flow from people. But I like to live in a world where my sexual flow is kind of <laughs> on and popping. <laughs> yeah. I feel like this is like a random question to ask you, but we've asked other guests and I feel like you're going to have a good answer being someone who's like very happily queer. Do you have a queer obsession? I've been really into the Caribbean or moving to the front. Moving to the <laughs> front? Like on, like on the general front row? Or gay. 
Well, the, you remember the carabiner used to be on the, uh, like, the janitor hip, like, right behind. Oh, like, okay. And the, and the carabiner has traveled its way to the front of the pelvis. Mm-hmm. And if you've been gay long enough, you've seen it kind of make its way around the hip. <laughs> and I find that, like, because, like, queer people are, like, I think because of TikTok and and just, like, us kind of having this, like, beautiful moment of wanting to find each other and like I am I've been really into like how younger queer people are flagging and how we're all seeing mm-hmm. each other more and more and like mm-hmm. I I love that the carib the Caribbean are in the front not only is it kind of like flagging and it's kind of mass but it is mm-hmm. also like deeply erotic and also making its way over to douchey and I love these t- types of like full like I'm really like my I'm having so much fun dressing more like the boys that I knew in high, in like middle school and high school mm-hmm. in a way that like is, I don't know. I'm obsessed with queer people, but I'm wa- watching the carabiners be in the front because I do yeah. shows all over cities and I'm like, you guys, look at, us, look at us drawing <laughs> the eye to our pelvis. Like, I'm yeah. obsessed. <laughs> That's so funny that you say that because I was just walking outside the other day and I was like I should get a carabiner I think so that's yeah. really funny that you say that and I'm not usually like a pants person um mm-hmm. I've been more of like a dress slash at home wearing shorts person so like I've been wearing pants a little bit more recently and I'm like I feel like this outfit needs a little something something oh a so little like, jingle jangle baby yeah yeah oh yeah <laughs> yeah exactly. Uh, one of the other ones I definitely wanted to ask you was, do you have any general advice for someone who's never had sex with another woman before? Mm. I always say this, work from the top down. <laughs> I always <laughs> say top down, honey. That's and good advice. Thank you. Not not back to front? Never back to front. <laughs> never, Cheyenne. I'm just kidding. <laughs> No, I love, like, I know, and we get this, you know, there's a lot of queer people, newly queer people dating right now, and, or a lot of people that had discovered their queerness during the pandemic, Mm -hmm. and that they're, so many, as, like, the only lesbian in everyone's life for a very long time, the amount of panicked phone calls that I got when Mm -hmm. the lockdown was over from people that have not fucked, like, on the panicking, how do I, excuse me, and I'm, you you know what I mean, like, how do I eat pussy, I'm like, okay, um, but this is what I will say, and we get this question a lot on today's as well. A lot of people are very they're very worried about a performance, and I like to, I want everyone to know that when you are having sex and when you're having good sex, it shouldn't feel like now you are doing a performance or doing a thing. You mm-hmm. are actually like meant to be having a fun time erotically with somebody, mm-hmm. and. It is so much more. I think people are like, I'm, I'm gonna like be kissing, and then next there's gonna be a spotlight on me, and then I'm gonna have <laughs> to show how good I am at all mm-hmm. of these things. But every single person likes so many different things, and instead of showing how good you are at something, think about creating a moment where somebody can tell you what they like, and you can hear it, and then you can discover things that you're good at doing with each other, and that's gonna be mm-hmm. different every time you have sex and every person that you have sex with. So like creating moments of like comfort instead of thinking like, I'm in a porn show now. I think that will help with enjoying and being good. Everyone can be good and everyone can be bad. So like mm-hmm. right. what you want to be is having a good time. 
<laughs> yeah. Everybody's so different. And like even taking queerness out of it, like you've sex with any single person and then you go to a new person and you try and replicate it. And that formula is not like copy and paste for every person. Totally. And I think that's the beauty of queer sex is that I feel like you kind of go in knowing that, which is maybe why we get so much anxiety. Cause it's like, how do I know if I'm going to be good when there's so much to do and so many options, but it's <laughs> mm-hmm. like, you figure out like what that person wants. You work from there and, and it's, that's the beauty of it is like, there's no rule book. Yes. And there's a chance for everybody to succeed in that, in that formula. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like too, lesbian sex gets this reputation for like, we have really long sex Mm -hmm. and we come all the time. And that is actually 100%. No, we do. It's true. That's true. We always get the participation trophy and we're happy about it. (laughs) You better clear your schedule, you young queers. If you're like, what's it going to be like? It's like, work off and that's what it's going to be like. Yeah. Call them late the night before. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be laid up for hours. I'm fine. I don't got anywhere else to be. No. (laughs) Clear your calendar, babe. (laughs) Do you have any advice that you would give, like, newly out queer people or people coming to terms with it that it doesn't have to be like sexual or even anything that you would have told yourself if you could like go back and tell yourself something before you actually came out Mm, I feel like I would have I would tell myself that the world is gonna catch up because I was Mm. I was truly I felt like very isolated and very like sinful so Mm -hmm. I'm like I wish I could have told myself that like there's gonna be I would also I recommend like people to find each other like finding other queer people can can really change like your whole perspective and your my life was changed the second I like made a queer friend and found other found other queer people to date and like I know not everyone could be out and that's a privilege that I have but running to community even if if you find it on your phone it doesn't matter like everyone but yeah I think I would have told myself that like eventually it's gonna be like an okay thing to do and even that you would like it (laughs) I'd be like you're gonna like this about yourself someday Mm -hmm. and I would have been like that would have been pretty soothing to hear I think yeah yeah love that all right. So we kind of already mentioned your podcast, but can you repeat the name of it and where any of our listeners can find you? Wow. Anything else you have coming up? Yeah, it's Two Dykes and a Mic. That's us on TikTok, uh, Patreon, everywhere you can find us to listen to us. It's a podcast that you will love. I'm also at Rachel Safety and the podcast is touring and I'm also touring doing, doing standup and you can find tickets at rachelscanlincomedy.com and also twodikesinamike.com to get tickets for that. But come on over. It's the content you're going to like. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And if you have any other questions for us, we have a phone number 724-209-8877. You can email us at sapphicsurvivalguide at gmail.com. We're on all social media platforms at Sapphic Survival Guide, except X, formerly known as Twitter, which is just at Sapphic Survival. We have Patreon as well. It's uh, patreon.com backslash Sapphic Survival Guide. And you can find me, Cheyenne, at Hot Mespian on pretty much any social media platform. And you can find me anywhere online at The Libergina, including my website, Libergina.com. And with that, class is now dismissed. Woo!